Dear listeners, welcome back to ITS Podcast. Let us start our 62nd episode in March with news mini section by Barish. He will cover some exciting news about autonomous vehicles in transportation. We have Haluk with a book review. He has chosen a book titled Regulation of Commercial Space Transport, The Astrocising of ICAO. The book is written by Rwantisa Abiratne and published by Springer in 2015. Since we are focusing on intelligent transportation, knowing this new mode of transportation will be very interesting. In this episode, we have an opportunity to have a dialogue with Professor Nathan Sprague from James Madison University and ask him some questions about his research topic and achievements. If you are interested in autonomous vehicles and IT in education, stay tuned. Let us start. Boris, we are all ears. This is Boris John. Presenting following news in the field of ideas for the 62nd episode of the ITS podcast. In this episode, we bring you some of the latest news on self-driving vehicles. Driverless electric bus trial in Malaga. A driverless bus trial will take place in the Spanish city Malaga. A regular-sized electric urban bus will operate in the city's mixed traffic. The autonomous bus will have a safety driver on board, as it still is a legal requirement in Spain to have a driver on board. The project is run with the cooperation of several universities and the 12-meter vehicle was developed by the Spanish company Irizar. Multimodal autonomous driving platform in Guangzhou, China. Baidu and the Huangpu district of Guangzhou aims to deploy the world's first multimodal autonomous driving mobility as a service platform. The fleet of over 40 autonomous vehicles will allow people to travel during the holiday season. The passengers will be able to make reservations on the mobile apps. The robotaxis will be running between 50 pickup stations in the district. Additionally, minibuses will operate around parks and lakes with on-demand stops, while Baidu Robobus will shuttle along fixed routes. The network of roadside infrastructure and cloud platform will provide real-time signal light information, traffic alerts, and intersection queue length. Baidu plans to deploy more than 100 robotaxis and 1,000 pickup stations for the regular trial operation in the district. Aurora partners with Toyota and Denso for robotaxi deployment. Aurora announced a partnership with Toyota and Denso, which aims to develop driverless Toyota Sienna vehicles equipped with Aurora Driver. The company plans to deploy the test fleet by the end of 2021. The long-term partnership also aims to deploy the vehicles globally in ride-hailing fleets for companies like Uber, Scania to test self-driving trucks in Sweden. Scania and Too Simple, a company in the development of autonomous vehicles, will test self-driving trucks on a motorway in Sweden. The autonomous technology covers the SAE level 4 and 5 with a safety driver supervising the vehicle. The vehicles will be loaded with goods for Scania's production operations. Scania plans to extend the test route by the end of this year. Mobili and Transdev partners to develop self-driving shuttles. Transdev Autonomous Transport Systems announced a partnership with Lauder Group and Intel subsidiary Mobili to develop and deploy autonomous shuttles. The partnership plans to launch autonomous public transportation by integrating Mobili's self-driving system 
into the iCrystal electric shuttle of Lower Group. Companies aim to improve the efficiency by integrating the shuttle into Transtave's existing mobility service networks. The vehicle have a capacity of up to 16 passengers and can travel at speeds up to 50 km per hour. The initial tests will take place in France and Israel. Thank you for listening to the Minanave section of the ITS podcast. We will continue to bring you more news of breakthrough advances in our field in the upcoming episodes. Thank you, Barish. Nowadays, we hear the news about the application of driverless shuttles more often. Now, let's listen to Professor Haluk Eren from Firat University, Turkey. This is the book review section for ITS podcast. Read by Dr. Haluk Eren, Fırat University, Elazığ, Turkey. The book title is Regulation of Commercial Space Transport, the Astrocyzen of ICAO, and consists of 168 pages. Published by Springer in 2015. Written by Ruantisa Abiratna. Space travel has been like a dream of human being for a long time. Nowadays, space transportation is getting popular. Not only space explorations, but also space hotel, space mining, space tourism, space logistics have all been speculated for space travel. Today, space flight has become a reality, not actuality. For that reason, some investors are making very large budget investments in space travel. From suborbital flights to mining asteroids, this industry will grow exponentially. As you know, NASA's Perseverance rover has recently landed on Mars. It generally takes about 5 to 20 minutes for a radio signal to travel the distance between Mars and Earth, depending on planet positions. So, most of the space vehicles should be intelligent or autonomous. And also, all the operations for space travel require high technology management. It is well known that the newest and most expensive mode of transportation is commercial space travel, which offers high-end suborbital flights to space tourists. Some people consider space travel to be an extension of air travel, where a spacecraft operating mostly suborbital flights would have to cross its airspace. If a vehicle running suborbital flights passes through the airspace, although there are some similarities in air travel and outer space travel, it will not be practical to transfer a space travel regime here as it is. Currently, no multilateral treaty is applicable to space transportation or the exploration and exploitation of outer space resources. The dimensions of airspace have not been defined either by treaty or by customary recognition. However, Australia has a domestic law which recognizes that airspace goes up to 100 km over its land and adjacent sea territory. This book provides a look at the various details of the commercial aspects of space transport 
and offers a workable and practical legal and regulatory approach to be taken by the International Civil Aviation Organization. The book consists of seven chapters. Chapter 1 explains airspace, suborbital flights, some divergent view and security implications. Chapter 2 contains safety and air transportation, constraint Chicago Convention, and efficiency issues, including fuel and navigation efficiency. Chapter 3 consists of economic and social issues relating to commercial space transportation. Chapter 4 discusses IKO for commercial space travel, such as spaceports, cargo, environment, and responsibilities of launching state. Chapter 5 contains some preliminary space law principles by ICAO. Chapter 6 includes legal legitimacy of ICAO and direction to be taken, such as applicable principles, technical assistance, dispute settlement, nuclear power and commercial space transportation and diplomacy. Chapter 7 is the conclusion, which consists of procedures and differences between standards and recommended practices. This book discusses the legal issues that may be relevant in astrocizing IKO into the commercial space transport regime. It outlines both the legal process that might apply either through an amendment to the Chicago Convention. It also addresses in some detail the changes that may be necessary to the existing structure of the regulation of civil aviation, both in terms of adapting the Chicago Convention principles and those of the annexes to the Convention when drafting a new multilateral treaty on the regulation of commercial space transportation. The intended reader is everybody or professionals associated with air transportation or space travel. Thank you, Haluk. Sharing the space could be challenging, so studying different ways to do so might be helpful. Soon, we have to look at space transportation as a new part of transportation. Dear listeners, as we had promised before, we have a special guest from University of James Madison. Professor Nathan Sprague is here with us to answer some of our questions and talk about his initiatives and works with his colleagues and students. Let's sit back and listen to this conversation. So, dear listeners, um, today we have Dr. Nathan Sprague uh, as our special guest. Uh, Dr. Nathan Sprague is an Associate Professor of Computer Science at James Madison University. He has received his PhD from University of Rochester. And before joining JMU, he has been with Kalamazoo College. In JMU, he teaches autonomous driving, advanced programming, and machine learning, and has been working on a project in dependent mobility for the elderly, machine learning-based passenger-aware user interface for autonomous vehicles. It is funded by the Jeffress Trust Awards Program in Interdisciplinary Research. He is an IEEE member and a member of the ITS and has received an award for innovative use of technology in education. 
along with our other colleague, Professor Sami El Tawab. Welcome to ITS Podcast, Nathan. I uh, gave a short introduction. Would you like to add anything to what was said? No, that was a great introduction. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for accepting our invitation. So uh, you have initiated multidisciplinary research on autonomous driving cars. Uh, I guess this is based on a course that you and your colleagues are running in JMU. Uh, could you please tell us about the course and how it works? Sure, so, and that's changed a little bit. So we've run several iterations of the course now and the focus has changed from one semester to the next. Um, it had its origins in uh, the JMU X Labs. So the JMU X Labs is a nice resource we have at JMU that's specifically designed to create uh, interdisciplinary project-based courses. Mm -hmm. So the very first offering of this course um, came about because the director of JMU X Labs uh, thought that autonomous vehicles would be a good topic for a course like this. And he reached out to Dr. El Tawab and myself Mm -hmm. um, so that was the, the first semester that we taught, taught some version of this course, uh, so, so, so spring 2018, I believe. And what we did that semester is, you know, neither of us had any deep expertise in autonomous vehicles at the time. So we thought we would just see how far we could get with a group of about 20 students. So we had an interdisciplinary group of students. We had students, all undergraduates, um, students from engineering, students from computer science, um, students from a department called ISAT, which is Integrated Science and Technology, which is where Dr. Altawab was teaching at the time, um, and a couple of students from sort of scattered throughout the rest of the, of the university. Um, and we bought a sort of off-the-shelf standard golf cart that semester, and the goal was to get some sort of autonomous system in place um, by the end of the semester with that group of students sort of starting from scratch. Uh, and that went, that went pretty well. So um, that initial group of students, we had a nice demo by the end of the semester where the cart would come and pick you up and you could request a destination and it would take you uh, to, that, to that destination. That's great, very interesting. So you named uh, some of the uh, disciplines from uh, where the students have joined you, but uh, could you uh, tell us what were the research groups, this, uh, for example, the faculties which you have gathered around? Sure. So that first semester, it was just Dr. Al Tawab and myself, and his background is in, I think, vehicular networking and some other topics. Uh, my own background is largely machine learning with a little bit of robotics thrown in. Um, since then, we've brought a couple of other faculty members on board. So at the end of that semester, we uh, we had some press as a result of the success of that project. And we came into contact with some local retirement communities who really saw what we were doing and said, oh, that something like that would be really great for the people who live in our communities because they have uh, so many difficulties with mobility. Um, they often can't drive. Uh, so it's a real challenge for them to get around. So if we had an autonomous system like this on our campuses, it could really be helpful for that population. So that's where the, the next sort of stage of this was that we applied for the funding from the Jeffers Trust Foundation to do a system that would be specifically targeted toward the elderly. And as we've been working on that, we've brought a couple of additional faculty members on board. So uh, Michael Stewart is another computer science professor in the JMU Computer Science Department. His area of expertise is human-computer interaction. And that was really the focus of this sort of second stage of the process. 
Uh, and the most recent addition to the team is Jason Forsyth. And he has, uh, he's an engineering professor uh, in the engineering department and his expertise is largely in sort of internet of things, uh, wearable computing. Uh, and that has played into this notion that we have in the project that we wanna be able to monitor the passengers mm -hmm. so that the cart can kind of respond to them appropriately. Well, that is interesting. Uh, we will get back to uh, this uh, question after some time. So uh, in uh, 2020, your paper was published about autonomous vehicles uh, building a testbed prototype at a controlled environment. I believe this was based on this uh, same golf cart, uh, right? And uh, if it is like that, could you please tell us about it? Sure. So that the... The contents of that paper are largely based on that, that first offering of the course. Um, so our first golf cart, we're on our second golf cart now, we're on uh, golf cart version two. So the first golf cart with that original group of students, uh, one of the things that we were really emphasizing with that group of students was the importance of documentation, right? So we can build this system, but if we haven't documented the process and if we haven't documented the system itself, it's very hard to build on that work in future semesters or with, with future mm -hmm. participants in the project. And we had in mind at the time that we wanted this to be an ongoing uh, a project at the university. And the students really took to that. And one of the, one of the I think, interesting things that we did that first semester is we, we broke the students into teams with different, with different focuses. So we had a team that was working on the sort of uh, robotics and artificial intelligence. We had a team that was working on the mechanical and electrical engineering. Um, we had a team that was working on the interface. And we had a team that was specifically in charge of sort of project management and documentation. And they did a really good job. So it, you know uh, that paper is actually largely a result of the technical report that came out that was written in large part by the students in that first class. Um, so there isn't a lot of sort of deep science in that paper. Uh, the real value of it is that it kind of sketches out what it looks like to build an autonomous golf cart like this. You know, what are the sort of design decisions that we made? What are the key technical pieces? Um, so that somebody else who wants to sort of pick up a project like this would have that as a starting point. Mm -hmm. that, uh, thank you so much. So one uh, question uh, happens to everyone when we talk about autonomous car, and especially when we are experimenting with it, that what base we have to choose. Why you chose a golf cart? Yeah, for us, a golf cart is, is perfect, right? So um, and we've had conversations about moving up, sort of graduating to a real automobile, uh, and we don't have a lot of appetite for that. So one of the big considerations is just safety and convenience. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, golf cart, it's a low-speed vehicle. Um, it's also, right, we can easily drive it into our spaces on campus, and we don't have to have a special garage, uh, so it's sort of convenient in that sense. Uh, we've, because it's an interdisciplinary project and we really want to bring together students with different expertise and different interests, one of the nice things about a golf cart is the electronics are very simple and accessible. So we can have our engineering students sort of open it up and, and tear apart the electronics in a way that would be a little more difficult with an automobile. Of course, some things would be easier with an automobile. Many of them have sort of certain drive-by-wire um, you know, capabilities that you can tie into, but it's almost better for us if it's, if it's harder in that sense because it gives our engineers sort of something to build and something to experiment. 
Um, also, as we've moved on and the focus of the project has shifted toward mobility for the elderly, this is really closer to the kind of vehicle that we would envision being practical for that application, right? Um, a lot of the environments that we're looking at are these, these closed campuses. They're not large, uh, right? It's not like they're miles across so that you would need a, a high-speed vehicle. Um, so it makes more sense to have something like a golf cart that would be more inexpensive and accessible. Accessible, yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what machine learning algorithms uh, were used in the car? And uh, could you embed uh, these algorithms into an electronic card, or you have to put those laptops that we saw in the video on the golf cart all the time? Have you uh, stepped forward towards making it uh, simpler or something like that? Uh, hardware wise? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so the one of the one of the main focuses of the project is this idea that if we really want a fully autonomous taxi system that's available for the elderly, um, it's going to need to somehow be paying attention to the passenger. Uh, so, yes, right. If you have a if you have a driver, you can make requests of the driver. You can tell them to stop. If you're in some kind of distress, if you're having some sort of health problem the driver is going to notice and respond appropriately. So we really want our cart somehow to be paying attention to the passenger so that it's responding appropriately. Even something as simple as making sure that the passenger is seated properly before the vehicle starts to move. Um, we want to make sure that that's the case. So the, the machine learning piece or the machine perception piece has really been focused on that, on monitoring the state of the passenger. And we've experimented with some different things. So we've used um, off-the-shelf computer vision systems, deep learning systems to do uh, pose tracking and pose recognition so that we get a sort of visual skeleton of where the passenger is located in the cart so that we can determine if they're seated appropriately. Okay. We've experimented a little bit um, with uh, facial expression recognition. So one of the things that we want to be able to monitor is the the degree to which the, the passenger is stressed or comfortable with the ride. So that, for example, if they're nervous, um, we could maybe slow the cart down a little bit, or we could you know, ask if they're okay, or we could bring in um, a remote attendant to be able to, uh, to assist them. So that's, that's been the focus of the, the machine learning piece of the project. Uh, that is interesting. So, uh, so some kind of uh, safety measures are provided, right, in in, in this um, experimental golf cart, right? Yes. Well, so I should also make it clear that you know the the golf cart is really an experimental platform right now. So we don't have any immediate plans to actually try to deploy this thing or to get uh, you know vulnerable individuals into the cart. Um, so the, the safety features that we have now are basically a kill switch, and we're, we've tried to make the collision avoidance fairly robust so that it's not going to you know, run over someone who steps in front of mm -hmm. the cart. So there's always, so conceptually, we're building a fully autonomous system. In practice, as we're running this experimental system uh, and trying to gather data from it, we always have a safety uh, driver with COVID, we haven't been able to have the safety driver in, in the passenger seat with the passenger, so they're sitting in the back, but they've got their finger on a kill switch that they can stop the cart at any time. So that's the main sort of concession to safety. That we so have. some kind of operator was sitting there? 
Yes, yeah, we always have a, a an operator physically on the switch so that we can stop the cart at any time. Yeah. So, um, and and that's probably that's definitely going to continue to be the case. So, uh, the the engineering involved in making a really robust, safe system that you could deploy fully autonomously. You know, that's way beyond what we can sort of expect to accomplish with a group of undergraduate students and you know nobody sort of working on this project full time. Sure. You also asked about the hardware, so I wanna make sure to get back to that. Um, our original plan was that the, the compute system was going to use probably NVIDIA Jetsons and we, we have access to some of those. You know, they, they're reasonably capable in terms of running these deep learning models. Mm -hmm. um, it's just turned out to be so much more convenient from a kind of development and testing and iteration point of view to just use a laptop, right? It's easy for a student or a faculty member to just walk up to the laptop, make some changes, and then run the next test versus remotely logging into some sort of compute system that would be built into the card. Uh, if we were sort of moving toward uh, deployment or scaling this up a little bit, we probably would be thinking about something like a, a maybe a Jetson. Yeah, I understand. So replace the laptops with that. Right, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Good idea. Okay. Uh, you chose golf cart and it's electric, right? So um, have you studied the contribution of this AV uh, in solving current transportation challenges, something like uh, emission, fuel consumption, and traffic congestion, if we bring it, uh, if we use it more frequently? So that hasn't been the focus of our work. The focus of our work has really been narrowly targeted toward can we provide, how do you provide this service for people who really need that transportation who don't have access to it now? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm sure you could make an argument that if we had systems like this in place, it's going to reduce the amount of you know, internal combustion engines that are used, right? If we can have this sort of local, smaller scale electric vehicle kind of transport, but that hasn't been at the, at the center of the kind of questions we've been looking at. Okay, thank you so much. But uh, what do you think about electric uh, cars? You know, they need a charging and charging points. Uh, have you faced even uh, this difficulty that, for example, the battery goes off or uh, you're in the middle of the bay and uh, you don't get a signal or you have a thought about some uh, alert for a low battery charge or something like that? It hasn't been a, a major concern for us. So, uh, you know, these golf carts are designed to be able to take you on a full day of, of golfing without a charge. And we're generally you know, the kind of experimentation we're running and testing we're running, we're usually out actually operating the cart for an hour or two. Um, so we have had no difficulty sort of keeping the, the cart fully charged. That, that would be more of a consideration if you were deploying a system like this, right? Then you'd really have to start thinking about when do I charge? How do I get the system? You know, how does the cart sort of keep track of its own level of charge? And how do I build that into the schedule? Mm -hmm. And in fact, you know, one of the directions that the future, that the project is going to go into is we're envisioning sort of expanding to have a small fleet of these cards. And then you can start to sort of ask questions about that. You know, how do you schedule them? When do you charge them? Mm -hmm. uh, which cart is, is deployed for which pickup, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, 
you know, bringing uh, cheaper and available sensors to the design of driverless cars is a very good approach. Uh, you have used a smartphone in your system. What is its application exactly? So currently, the only thing that we're using the smartphone for is um, to make requests, to pick up requests. So the idea is that the there's an app so that the passenger would be able to open up the app and they click on a button to say, pick me up. And then the GPS uh, in the app is used to communicate to the server that talks to our cart. And then the cart finds the point on its route that's closest to that pickup request location that was made by the passenger. Um, one of the things that we're working on in the current iteration of the class this semester is looking at using something like a smartwatch uh, that would have sensors that would be able to monitor some of the passengers' um, uh, biological signals, right? So heart rate in particular, we're looking at as maybe a proxy for uh, stress level. So we're thinking of something like an Apple Watch. Um, we're experimenting with some different hardware, but that's, that's another sort of local device that we're looking at. Yes, that's, that is interesting. Thank you. Uh, so there is a video online about your experiment and uh, how it could be used in elderly homes, as you were explaining right now. And we get back to Dr. Uh, Michael Stewart, mm -hmm. who uh, explains about the interaction between humans and uh, technology. Uh, what are the results and uh, what were your findings? So that's been one of the real um, disappointments of this project, right? So mm -hmm. COVID... Uh, obviously it set a lot of research projects back. Um, and one of the real negative impacts that it had on us is that uh, it's been a very scary time for these kinds of retirement communities that have been our partners in this project. Um, so we've, we've really had to step back from a lot of that collaboration. We had uh, relationships with two of the local communities where we had intended um, to both have a survey and also have um, another instrument that we would share with them that would sort of get at some of their attitudes about technology, how they use technology in their own lives and some of their, um, their transportation needs, how they get around now. So a big part of the project that we had intended to work on over the last year involved um, working with our partners in these retirement communities to kind of get an understanding from those um, residents about you know, where they stand with technology, what technology works well for them and what would be useful here. So mm -hmm. we've really, they, um, they just, that just has not happened because they've been 100% focused on keeping their residents safe. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so I, I think we hope to get back to some of that, but that piece of the project very much got put on hold. And I, I think that COVID has affected many of these researchers in human and uh, technology uh, interactions mm -hmm. because we have to keep humans away. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, of course, the, these populations, they're the most vulnerable, right? So they, they have to True. be extremely careful. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. I agree. Thank you so much. Who funded this project? And uh, are there any other institutes and uh, funding agencies who are interested to support you? So we're in the process of putting together an NSF proposal right now. So we'll hope that they're interested in um, funding us, but that, that's going to be going out soon. Um, we've had some communication with other, uh, 
I'm not sure. Did you ask about other collaborators on this project or? Uh, it would be nice if you name. Yeah, so uh, actually we've worked a little bit with the folks at VMI, the Virginia Military Institute. So they have a very similar project mm -hmm. that they've worked on. Mm -hmm. Actually, some of the ideas uh, for the electronics on the on our current cart we got from them. So we've shared ideas back and forth. Um, so that's been our closest collaborator in terms of actually working on the current cart. That, that is interesting. And you count on them for future funds and grants, right? Sorry? For future funds also, you can count on them. Um, yeah, we could work together with, we could work together with them. Um, we've also, there's something called the Commonwealth Cyber Initiative in mm -hmm. the state of Virginia. Uh, and we received some funding for them. And the, the focus of the interest of that aspect of the project, it's not so much my piece. I haven't been as, as involved, mm -hmm. but they're more interested in the security of the system, right? So if you're collecting, for example, all of this biometric data from your passengers, it's really important that your system is secure so that that data remains private, right? If you're, if you're capturing camera data from inside the cart, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can't just store that data in the open, right? You have to be really careful about keeping that data secure. So that's another sort of aspect of the project that's ongoing that we have separate funding for. It hasn't been the piece of the project that I've uh, been involved with as much. So uh, there is a side of project uh, which is working on uh, making it hacker safe. So they don't get into the system or they- That's change. right. So, yeah. That's that, right. That yeah. is interesting. Yes, thank you so much. So in this uh, process of undergrad um, multidisciplinary course which you designed, which one was the most problematic situation? Researchers' motivation, parts that you had to gather, the design, software, assembly, or permits? That's a good question. So that's one advantage of working with a golf cart, right? It really, we, the, the permitting process is much simpler. We're not running it on the road. We're generally running it on sort of sidewalks on campus that we're keeping blocked off for that time period. So that process has been fairly simple. Um, the, maybe the main challenges have been uh, early on in the project, right? It's an interdisciplinary project. We brought together an interdisciplinary group of students. We haven't always had the full range of faculty involvement. So for example, when we got started, we didn't have any engineering faculty on the project. I, you know, I can solder a thing here and there, but it's certainly not my area of expertise. So we struggled a little bit to get the hardware working and to make it, uh, you know, robust so that if uh, a lead, you know, breaks somewhere, how do you track that down? How do you fix that problem? And you can lose a lot of time when the cart is, is not moving because of some, of some hardware mm -hmm. challenge. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Another challenge with the project in terms of having undergraduate involvement is just that uh, undergraduate students turn over so quickly, right? So yes. often the students that we're working with are seniors. Um, so this, this is a spring semester that we're offering a version of the class right now. Most of the students who are involved are, are in their last semester as undergraduates. So during the first few week of this, weeks of the semester, they're getting up to speed. They're getting to understand what's, a, at this point, a fairly large and complex system. By the end of the semester, they'll be experts in the system. They'll be contributing, and then they will be gone. Um, and so 
next semester, we'll have to bring in another, another group of students and sort of get them back up to speed again. So we do make a conscious effort to try to bring some students in a little bit earlier in their career so that they can provide some continuity. Um, and we've done a good job of having, you know, a few students kind of always in the mix that have been involved in the project for a while, but mm -hmm. that's, that's a challenge. Um, that was also a challenge with COVID when we lost some time this last spring, by the time we were getting back up to speed again, that group of students had graduated. So we lost some progress there. Mm -hmm. That was interesting. Yes. And, and again, you have to train the students and go through the whole system again. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you and uh, Dr. Samuel Tawab uh, received an award for your course. Uh, just for our listeners, I say, Virginia Governor's Technology Award 2018, Innovative Use of Technology in Education. What are your suggestions and advices to other researchers in academia? How we should create a multidisciplinary or interdisciplinary course around the topic of autonomous driving? Um, I would say... So I think what made that course innovative or what made it successful, it wasn't just about the fact that it was autonomous driving. So I think there are a lot of different topics that you could take on that are you know, big picture problems where you're building a system and that system has you know, components that requires a, a, a wide range of expertise. So autonomous driving sort of fits that really nicely, right? Mm -hmm. It's a very timely question Right, so we're we're perhaps right at the cusp of this technology becoming really important. So it's a good time uh, to get students involved in that kind of problem, um, and it's also the kind of problem that is inherently interdisciplinary. Right, there's just no way you can get a system like that off the ground without bringing together people with a wide uh, range of expertise. Um, and in terms of sort of how to do it successfully, uh, I would say maybe just be a little bit fearless. Uh, so we certainly didn't know what we were doing uh, when, we, when we jumped in, you know, neither of us had done anything quite like this before. Uh, so we really just put a lot of faith in the students. We put a lot of responsibility on the students and we made it very clear from the beginning, we're not necessarily the experts here, right? We haven't solved these problems before either. So you have to have a lot of uh, agency in how you're going to make this a success. And it, you know, maybe we were just lucky that we had the right group of students that they absolutely stepped up to that challenge. Um, they took responsibility and you know, the, the project worked well. So uh, maybe that's one of the keys is to sort of have some, have some faith in the students, give them that level of responsibility and they'll, be, they'll, they'll rise to the challenge. So uh, Nathan, it was an uh, elective course uh, presented or it was a uh, core course for students, some sort of. It was an elective course. Elective. Um, yes. So it does, the way it's structured, it does fulfill a requirement toward the major, at least for the computer science students. But there are lots of other ways that they could fulfill that requirement mm -hmm. uh, as well. It just counts as one of their sort of standard electives for, toward the computer science major. Mm -hmm. And that, that's yeah. been another, right, one of the complications of teaching one of these interdisciplinary courses is the negotiation of sort of how does this fit into the curricula for all of these different programs, right? Because engineering is structured very differently. So how can we 
have the course in a way that's attractive for those engineering students and is actually sort of moving them toward graduation mm -hmm. and whatever other uh, majors that we want to get involved. Yeah. So, uh from uh, your eyes, I want to know, what do you think about the future of autonomous vehicles? Yeah, that's a great question. I can't, I can't claim to have any uh, special insight into that. Um, I do think, I, I think it's obvious now, right, if we just look back a few years at some of the very bold claims about where we would be now, right, we're clearly not there now. Um, so, you know, the problem of deploying fully autonomous systems in completely unstructured environments so that you could, you know, request your car to pick you up and it would drive you wherever, you know, that, that may be quite a ways off. I do think um, that the kind of system that we've been looking at is likely to be deployed in a practical way um, more quickly than that, right? So this environment that we're looking at of these closed retirement communities um, where it's low speed, you have a lot of control over the uh, environment, it's not a huge area, uh, and there's a really uh, important, there's a really big need for that, that transportation. So I think environments like that, where you have a very controlled environment, you're not operating at very high speeds, and you probably have uh, quick access to a human who's able to step in and resolve situations that the autonomous vehicle can't, can't resolve itself. I think that's the near future. Um, and your guess is as good as mine in terms of the, the further future, you know, what are things going to look like 15 <laughs> years from now? Yeah. So uh, what is the future step of yours and your colleagues? Yeah. So right now, um, so the, the current step I would say is that we have a pretty uh, robust system in place. So it can drive us around campus. We can make requests. It can pick us up. So we're really trying to dig in and do some of the science that we wanted to do all along. So um, what are the, what information do we need to be able to monitor in the passenger to be able to make that, that ride comfortable and safe? So we want to be able to, um, you know, physiologically monitor the passenger during the, the trip and also have uh, some survey instruments so that we, you know, we ask some questions before the trip, we ask some questions after the trip. So that this semester, this current group of students, that's the explicit goal to be able to run some of those experiments, do some of that science. Um, looking ahead, you should really have uh, Dr. El Tawaban, you know, he's a real visionary. He's got big ideas uh, for where he'd like autonomous vehicles to go at JMU. Certainly, um, there's an idea that we, like I said before, we'd like to expand out to have a, a small fleet of these carts um, so that we can then, that raises a whole set of additional questions you can ask yeah. about, you know, scheduling the carts. Um, how do you decide what cart goes where? One of the problems that Dr. El Tawab is really interested in is if you've got a health crisis like we're living in now, um, how does that impact the way you deploy your system, the way you schedule your carts? Do you need to be careful then to make sure that the cart that's picking someone up is the same one that brought them off and you're not putting the uh, different people in the same cart because that might be a disease transmission opportunity. So questions like that. So um, questions like that are on the, are on the horizon. That's a, that was interesting because uh, once uh, there was a talk about this that if autonomous driving is going to reduce the transportation, it means we have to share it. 
And right. uh, with this new pandemic, now that's also a question. Shall we share it or we have to consider some rules before right. sharing? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, we had uh, Dr. El Tawab uh, sometimes back in our program. And of course, we would love to have him again with you, maybe to have a talk. That would be very interesting. So uh, Nathan, uh, I would like to thank you for accepting our invitation. And I want to ask you if uh, you would like to uh, add anything or uh, say anything to our listeners. Uh, no, I think that was a really nice conversation. I guess I would just, but I feel obligated to emphasize as the last point here, how little of this work has actually been mine and how much of it has been really done by um, undergraduate students. So I've barely, I've barely touched a line of code. I've really barely soldered a wire. Uh, so it's just been really eye-opening how, how much these students can accomplish if you give them the opportunity. Thank you so much, Nathan. I, I hope uh, your research goes uh, as well as before, even better. Uh, and uh, you get a higher level of automation soon. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, uh, thank you. Thank you, Nathan, for being with us. Uh, thank you all our listeners and volunteers for supporting this podcast. This podcast is sponsored by IEEE Intelligent Transportation System Society. This was Dr. Mayam Kavishkar from IEEE ITS Society.